All right, so this episode is brought to you by The Pill Club. Pill Club is the easy way to get access to birth control completely online. You can renew your prescription, switch brands, even talk to their team of doctors, all without leaving your couch. And right now, when you go to thepillclub.com slash chatty, this is so cool. The Pill Club is offering a $10 donation to bedsider.org for every Chatty Broads listener who becomes a patient. So your donation will help low-income individuals get access to birth control through bedsider.org. Amazing cause. So that's thepillclub.com slash chatty. You're going to get your first birth control care package and you can donate to help more women in need of affordable birth control. Remember, that's thepillclub.com slash chatty. And you have to use that link um, in order for the donation to be made. And welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Hello, Broads. Uh, Becca here. All right, so some things are being done a little differently this week. Our beloved Jess has had lots of um, oral issues. I uh, Dental issues, not oral issues. Has had a lot of dental issues. The poor thing is just not quite feeling her best. And um, so we thought it would be best to actually hold off on the Bachelor recaps this week. I know. Very disappointing. But next week, we'll be back. We'll be covering uh, both episodes. In the meantime, though, today we are dropping an episode that I'm very excited to share with you that we were going to be dropping next week. So in the beginning of it, we chat about like dates. We're like, it's almost the first week of December. Keep that in mind. We thought it was going to be being released next week and did not anticipate the struggles that Jess is going through. So send a little love her way, by the way. Send her a DM or a comment or something like that. Just, you know, send the, send all the love her way. Um, and then Thursday on Thanksgiving, we are going to be releasing an episode that we recorded last year. Actually, it's a fantastic conversation um, with Callie Wolf and Ty Simpson. It was a fantastic conversation. We hope you guys enjoy it. Rods, is it officially December? Is it officially? It's either the day before or officially <sighs> the holiday season. No, it's December. It's it's November 30th. Tomorrow okay. will be December well, then 1st. TikTok. We're tomorrow. recording this from the past. We are recording this from the past. And we are sitting here with Bailey's on ice because our fantastic guest has showed up in a Christmas sweater with bearing gifts and we have a fire crackling on the hearth. Yes, it is just such a vibe. Yeah. And it's Stefan Lovegrove. Thank you. Cheers. Air cheers. 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 I we were discussing we never have Bailey's hardly ever in general. No. But especially cold. And this is really working for me. It's, yes. We're not sponsored no. by them, but it really is tasting it's, great. It's What's very the alcohol refreshing. percentage in it though. Unfortunately, the bottle is not in this room, and so I don't know that we have an answer. Do you think to that. it's like fifteen percent? 
I feel like it's higher than it feels. You think? Yeah. It's going to be cut to us after one drink, like all revealing some like really intense family secrets. And we're like, whoopsie, didn't I, go mean to go there. I did think <laughs> that like a little bit of booze would be helpful with like a holiday themed yes. conversation. Because there's a lot of feels for people in that. That's I, very true. I have to ask you guys, do you what do you feel like if you've been drinking is your kind of go to demeanor that you're sort of known for? Aggressive, mm. loud, crying, uh, you I know, always, sprinting away. There's always someone who's like running away from everyone. Yeah. I always feel like I'm very obnoxious when I drink. Like I feel that way. But then when I check in with friends who I know would tell me otherwise, if, you know, they would tell me the truth. Apparently, I'm just I get very quiet and I'm laughing nonstop. And I think it's maybe I'm in my head thinking I'm acting obnoxious. So then so I don't say as much. Purposefully. Yes, yes. I don't think you're very quiet. That <laughs> She's would like, bitch, like a, no. <laughs> that seems like a stretch, but I don't think you're obnoxious. Although I will say I don't think these are obnoxious, but I could see how some people, particularly other women, could be like. Like, oh my god do tell she's what is obnoxious it? i get i probably get very flirty when i drink i do not think you're obnoxious but obnoxious is a perception true very true and i am asking friends who tend to fall in the same category <laughs> they're like bitch you don't say a word they're like no, you seem normal no. to me yeah, they're no, like, you're no fine. i think that you are just a more elevated version of yourself which is how i would generally describe myself maybe you get a little louder maybe get a little more forthcoming with the with the like you know, like you'll be like, you know, like I have a, have I told you you're just like I love you to my best oh, friend. Yeah, I do do, a, with, I do, do a lot of love. I do do a lot or of love. Or even with strangers, it's just like, well, you know, it's just it's just you. It's you. But it's I, just more. I do get very flirty. It, or it's not even flirty, but you know, it's like and I it's like that that thing where you're like, it's the dismissive flirty, you know, where it's like, oh, you, please, yeah. like, shut up, you. <laughs> Oh, okay. I know I this, this drunk LA girl. I know that. Honestly, it's not annoying no, though. It's honestly, not annoying. I, I prefer, but I prefer this version because when they told me, I just get quiet and laugh. I was like, well, I, I was hoping I was more entertaining than that. No, you're like, you know, you know, like you're, you're like, hey. I, I feel like when you're drunk, you're like, you become this like glamorous stepmom kind of oh my thing. God, I like that vibe, which is fun. At least that's a, maybe that's what. You, when I've been around you. I like that energy. Actually, it's different also, which I feel like it's the same with me. It's different also when someone's around like strangers and like men versus like when you're around a bunch of girlfriends. Sure. Like I bet if we were around a bunch of girlfriends or I have seen you around a bunch of girlfriends, you probably would just like laugh a lot. Okay, say how say say how I am. Well, first of all, this is a fun fact. Never really seen you drunk often. No. But, I've never seen you drunk that often either. But have seen during your birthday yeah, and I wasn't even that drunk I feel like I was really like playing it up you yeah you were leaning into it more I don't know friends I just feel like you're uh, it's you're more I would say you're more bubbly like you're yeah. more like energetic and more just like let's do this let's do this and you will talk to every single person at the party versus if you're not you're a little more like you're more reserved than I think people would think you are at a party uh -huh. and you're like more with like your friends uh -huh. Uh -huh. when you get drunk you are she is touching base with I'm every person in yeah, the party the, actually you're the same way it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna point to you across the room and have to talk to you yes. like you over yes. there in the corner <laughs> come join our conversation yes, kind you. of thing I see you looking yeah. <laughs> 
I'm like willing to talk to anybody, but I'm not necessarily like, let's go over to the corner and say, how are we doing tonight? Oh, I have something to say about this. Keep going. Okay. Well, so I feel like I do two very specific things when I drink. Number one, this is like half embarrassing, but I've also just, you got to roll with it. Right. I shriek when songs come up. I was at my cousin's wedding a few weeks ago. And I'm standing there, and to be fair, and you know, this DJ, he doesn't listen to Chatty Broad, so I can say this. It was yes. not a good, uh, it was not a good mix. It wasn't a great set. <laughs> well, because I think what happened is they did the, like, everybody submit requests, okay. and in theory, that sounds like a good idea, until you realize that it's all these songs for individual people right. that don't keep the dance floor going. So it was a little dry, and I was standing there, and I was like... We need yeah. baby Justin Bieber. That, oh. and I'm looking around, and it's all these Christian college kids, and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> You're like, this we is about need to- <laughs> baby by Justin Bieber. And I just, I feel like I telepathically <laughs> communicated this, and baby comes on, and I shriek. So I, well, yeah, because you manifested it, yes. obviously. I feel that I did. Um, and then we went into What Makes You Beautiful, One Direction, another oh. song I had requested, along with Dance with Somebody, Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And, and that Everyone came minutes, alive. Right. Yes. In that 10 minutes, all was well. Yeah, everything um, shifted in the world. So I definitely shriek. And then I also am very huggy. Yeah. And it's not, but even like with lots of <laughs> girlfriends, like I'm not, I'm not flirty and like going for yeah. it. I'm just very huggy yes. and like, I love you all so much. Yes. Anyway, I'm so curious what you're going to say about the. Okay. I was going to say, I know people who are sober are like that. It is my boyfriend and his best friend, Andy, who just went to Mexico together. And when I tell you, these two will meet everyone in a goddamn town in less than one week. You know, it's it's pretty shocking how many friends her boyfriend makes so quickly. Like, (sighs) like friends to the point where like you could like easily call and ask for a favor and it wouldn't be intruding. No, it, would it has be to low. do with his personality. Yeah. Like something about it is just, but he'll just start talking to people and it drives me nuts. But he'll start <laughs> just like, we'll go anywhere, you know, and he's like, oh, well, I have this gym and like, what you do is so cool and like, we should, what just like starts chatting with people. But his, his friend is almost, his like childhood best friend is even almost worse where his wife was describing him and she was like, we will be at a restaurant and he will not even be looking at me. He will be looking past <laughs> me at everyone, at all the other tables being like, who can I engage in a conversation? New friends. She, new yeah, friends. exactly. And he will start just, you know, oh, making a comment about what someone's eating, just trying to engage everyone. Great skill to have because you just wind up with a bunch of contacts. But then like her complaint is like, sometimes people don't want to be talking to this random dude when they're trying to enjoy their meal. Understandable. And then... Myself, probably. Yeah, I'd you're be like, like, I'm just here with my husband. <laughs> I'm just trying to have a night away. <laughs> and she's like, and also sometimes it's like, we're supposed to be having a dinner. Meanwhile, he's looking at all the other potential cha- conversations he could be having with yeah. other people. So I feel like it's a... It's a, it's a bittersweet gift. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but I will say to the people who are like that, because um, I think this I, I'm very ADHD and I'm like diagnosed, so I'm not just using that term. But um, 
I am very much like that just because my brain will get distracted with like all of the possibilities in the room. Yes. And I feel like especially in L.A., that gets a lot of hate because people are like, they're just looking for who's the biggest person in the room they can go talk to. Right. And you're sometimes like, I'm, having... I'm like, I'm actually distracted and wanting to meet people genuinely. I feel like, though, you can pick up on the difference in energy for sure. You totally know what I mean? Correct. Like if I'm having a conversation with you just in our brief interaction so far and in the in the kitchen earlier I'm like we'll be at, if we were at a party and the three of us were talking and you were looking everywhere your energy is very like even if I'm looking anywhere like I'm here with you and right. you're like a kind person versus some of the LA folk where you're like I've known you for a while and I'm like hey what's going on it's like hey what's up and there's totally. just no versus like there is so much going on and I'm taking it all in and I'm trying to you know whatever versus this like if you're you see that type of person out and if there's no one better in the room, you know that they'll engage with you the whole night. But if then all of a sudden uh, someone walks in, then they're gone. That's a very, I feel like, you know, that's a different energy. I will. So I, I feel like I had ex-boyfriends who were undiagnosed uh, ADHD sufferers, inattentive in particular. And it would be like, I would get snubbed sometimes because we'd be talking and then it'd be like, uh-huh. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like going yeah. on to the next thing. And I'd be like, ah. Oh. And then nothing back on it. I'm like, no, they were just having a really hard time maintaining sure. eye contact and focus in our sure. conversation right. that was much too long for their brain to hang on to for that amount of time. Of course, of course. <sighs> but I, I, I do love, I do love a holiday party. Honestly, my takeaway with this discussion that I feel like we don't have enough data on is that we need you both at my Christmas party and we will see what your vibe is, is drunk it, is and the, report back. I think Jess is telling me about it earlier. We I want to come. Just, yes, we would love to come. Do we need to bring a videographer to follow us around <laughs> interacting like, with everyone so oh we can God. know the truth? Because our, our, our drunk reporting on the other drunk person, by the way, not accurate. Not accurate. Not Anytime accurate. I've no. seen you drunk, I have probably also been tipsy. Same. At least. Probably. So Same. perception, yeah. I may actually just be projecting my own behavior onto you. Take a poll afterwards <laughs> from the people that we interact with. It was like, wow, that was a lot. On a scale of <laughs> zero to ten, how obnoxious was I? Take we, this we survey can go around. So have you all encountered either Becca or Jess this <laughs> evening? Okay, we have a little piece of paper for you. If you could just circle There's on a box one to by ten them. how you would rank their drunken behavior. Thank you so much. Put it in that little <laughs> yeah, present that little, over there. That present. Okay, if you've got cats at home, I think it's pretty safe to assume the last thing you want this holiday season is the smell of warm holiday pies, a freshly cut Christmas tree, and a litter box. No, 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 thank you. I think most cat owners would agree the smell of the litter box is the worst part of having an indoor cat, especially now as the weather gets colder and you're spending more time inside. Oh my god, I have two cats at home. Pretty Litter is my number one secret weapon to keeping our house free of the litter box smell all the time. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly and can last up to a month, which means less smell and less scooping. I've tried a ton of different brands of cat litter. Pretty Litter, hands down, keeps my house smelling the freshest or the longest. Plus, it's made with a super light crystal base, which keeps the mess and dust to a minimum, and it doesn't irritate me or my family's allergies at all. That has been a problem in the past with all the dust that comes out of some cat litter. Ugh, and I don't like feeling like I'm breathing that in. And it will come as no surprise to all cat owners. Cats are sneaky. 
They often won't tell you when they're feeling sick. So that's why Pretty Litter is so great. It helps detect early signs of potential illness in cats, like urinary tract infections, kidney issues, and it changes color to let you know so you can stay on top of your cat's health. Um, I actually just recommended this to our nanny because her cat, she ended up having to pay hundreds of dollars at the vet because she didn't catch the UTI until it turned into a major kidney issue. So I was like, get Pretty Litter, girl. They'll give you some signs early on. So make the switch to Pretty Litter today. It's just common sense. Go to prettylitter.com and use promo code chatty to get 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com promo code chatty for 20% off prettylitter.com promo code chatty. The holidays are a time to show the people you love just how much you love them. Uh, And if you're like me, that means you're struggling big time to find the perfect gift because it's hard to find a gift that I feel like will show the people in my life just how much they mean to me. But this year, I'm giving everyone story worth. I'm so excited. I've given my dad story worth for Father's Day last year and Gray's dad. It was a really big hit. I'm planning on giving it to my mom and grandma. I think they're going to absolutely love it. Okay, here's what story worth is. It's an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years and years to come. So this is a good gift for anyone, really. But I really like giving it to grandparents and parents so their memories can live on for grandkids and great-grandkids. And the way it works is that each week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choosing. Don't worry, they have a huge pool of options to choose from. You can ask something like, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Um, Or you could ask them another question like, if you could see in the future, what would you want to find out? Questions that will really help you get to know the other person in a new way. I feel like this is not only a gift for my loved one, but a gift for me too, because eventually I'll get to read all their answers, and I think that's so exciting. So after one year, StoryWorth takes all of your loved one's answers and compiles them into a beautiful keepsake book that you can share for generations to come. So go to storyworth.com slash chatty. You're going to save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash chatty. You'll save $10 on your first purchase. Trust me, guys, this is a fantastic gift for the people who have it all. I also do feel like I've noticed with myself is post the heat of the pandemic, I've only gone out a few times. And every time I've been out now, I am number one, socially awkward, where I didn't feel like I used to feel that way before, hmm. per I think most people, because we've been inside a lot of the time. But my socially awkward has is not in the form of... Um, It's not in the form of not knowing how to conversate with people like where I get shy. It's too much. It's like Uh, I'm so excited to talk to somebody that I'm like big hugs everywhere and I'm just so hyped. They probably just think you're great, though. They probably might show seem like they're but they probably are just like, wow, I want to see that girl again. She was so nice to me. I needed that. That was my first time out since the pandemic. That's a nice way to think about it. For myself, afterwards, I'll wake up the next day and I'll be like, you were a lot and we'll, we'll stew over this for the next 24 hours. No, I bet they loved well, it. But, but also, this is the thing. I feel like if I'm comfortable around someone yeah. and we're friends for long enough, like the a lot is going to come out. And so I feel like I reached a point where I'm like, if I have to do business with somebody and we need to be professional mm-hmm. on like a business meeting, fine. Like, I'm not saying you have to be party mode at all times right but I also think you know I am definitely a person that grew up being like too loud too much too Mm. over the top too Mm. whatever and I think only in the last few years have I really leaned into yeah but the the two fill in the blank for somebody else is also 
fully me and mm-hmm. anyone that I'm actually comfortable with is going to have to embrace that. Yeah. So I think that makes Otherwise, you more- we're not going to work. Right. Yeah, Otherwise, we're just not going to have fun because I'm going to be too much on vacation. I'm going to be too much when we're having movie night. I'm going to always be too much. So that's fine. We're just not. Yes. It's not a match on this level. You know, do you know what my anxiety is? My anxiety is actually always that I uh, whether it be on Instagram or a first impression that I will be my anxiety is that I will be then less than as that person gets to know me. Like I'm like, oh, man, I, I'm nervous. I won't. Not that I won't be enough. That's a very um, strong statement that I don't really feel. But I'm like, man, I don't feel like I can I can match my own energy and entertainment that I might give off on a first impression or like an internet mm. impression. Mm. And that's an anxiety that I face, which is kind of the opposite. I'm like, oh, man, I feel like people get to know me and then they'll just be like, uh, well, not, or not even eh, just be like, oh, she's not as not the same as I expected her to be. I mean, I. I do think for people that are often on and not just to record or to make content, but like, you know, I'm not extremely high energy every single moment of the day. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? One of the things that I feel like I'm very often private with like, I'll be super social out there, but I want to recharge. And I remember one time a friend was over, we were getting ready for this wild party and I have like candles going and like, it's super chill, super quiet. And he was like, it's very strange to me that <laughs> this, your home is so zen and chill like, when we're about to go rage. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. But like, I'm not that mode all the time either. Yeah. And so I, I definitely get that. But I think everyone wants to believe that the more you get to know them, the more you would love them. And mm-hmm. everyone's insecure about what if people get too close and then they don't like what they see. And that's that's very real. Mm-hmm. And I think... You know, I I remember one day I have a coach I work with every week myself. And one day she said to me, Stefan, I just want you to hear to know you deeply is to love you deeply. And I just like cried because I realized that the fear is the opposite. Right. That like Mm -hmm. people will like the public know you deeper is to love you less. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I think that's I think that's like a insight we all need to have is like, what if you actually did let people come closer and they loved you even more and we're not Mm. disappointed Mm. you know up close totally yeah I definitely hear that also I think that um that plays into a lot like uh like with ADHD stuff like I'm always nervous like that I've slighted someone by like not responding to their text fast enough or like things like that and sometimes that becomes insecurity too where I'm like oh I'm just gonna disappoint these people you know like I and then it's like well that's even though this may not be the best part of me or the most flattering part of me, like that's still part of me. And like whenever you're getting close to anyone, you're accepting that there are parts of them that are not perfect. Mm-hmm. And if someone mm-hmm. can't accept that, then it's like, yeah, it's not going to work well, out. And I I view the ADHD thing because, you know, there's a lot of people in personal development that are would say even if you have like a, a diagnosis or this, that, the other, why would you – really attach yourself to the storyline and like sure. feel, feel as a limitation. And I get where that thought is coming from. But for me, it's the better I understand myself, mm-hmm. the better I can navigate my own life and my relationships. Yeah. And so I tell friends, like one of the things that's very true for at least my ADHD is out of sight, out of mind can be real mm-hmm. because of how my brain will hyper-focus on whatever it's hyper-focused on in that moment. Yeah. And so I will tell friends, you know, 
you may be the type that constantly texts back and forth and DMs and all these things with with all of your friends. You may not hear from me for five weeks, and that doesn't mean my love for you has changed. I've just been traveling and planning something and filming something. and Yeah. And and so the out of sight, out of mind, understanding that has really helped me be honest with people about here's what you can expect from me. And Mm -hmm. please don't think that I'm like dodging you or ghosting you or whatever if you don't hear from me for a minute. And anyway, so I'm still navigating it as I think we all are. But um, yeah, I think understanding yourself can be so helpful in being able to communicate that to the people around you. Also, if you have to undo narratives that you've grown up with, like that uh, you were given a different label for that thing. So growing up, it was like in our house, which we've come to figure out, especially this past year, that a lot of my family struggles with uh, like ADHD, OCD symptoms. But um, there was always this narrative that like me or my siblings were like lazy, that this stuff was laziness. And then I think it's important sometimes to be uh, able to undo those kind of narratives or like, you know, you just don't care about those things. And I always felt like, no, I do care. I just don't know how to tackle those those responsibilities or like it's very overwhelming. And then to be able to undo those narratives and be like, well, no, it's just this thing. And we can work through this. Like if someone's saying that something that you suffer with is a inherent personality trait that is more difficult to work with. Right. You're like, I just I just am lazy and that's the way I am Mm -hmm. versus like. No, I have ADHD and here are the symptoms of that. And here's how I might be able to work through with with those. Right. Oh, no, I remember I remember uh, like more, especially in like my teens, I was always very much written off in like the she's too sensitive. She's too emotional. And I was always written off and I wouldn't get taken seriously at all. And then I got my bipolar diagnosis and I'll never forget the first friend I taught. You're like, you bitches. (laughs) Like, fuck you. (laughs) No, but I remember the first friend I I told, she right away said, and you know, I know she was coming from a place of love. She didn't really know what to say, but she right away said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Mm. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm so happy that I finally have this diagnosis because I'm able to finally put my feelings and these things that I've been dealing with with a name. You're like, and I knew I was different. I just thought I was fucked up. Right. I'm like, I knew I was different, but everyone was just telling me around here that I'm just fucking emotional in a basket case. And now I'm able to go like, oh, I am, but I have this and this is how I can move forward knowing that about who I am. And then I can also lean into the positive sides of that, which is creativity and sensitivity, which are powerful things, mm-hmm. you know, but being able to have to specifically call that out was was so beneficial. Yeah, I also think it's funny when people are like, oh, everyone these days has anxiety. It's like, okay, well, even if everyone does, then let's all address it, bitch. <laughs> well, and, and I was going to say, I, I love what you just said because that, you know, that resonates with me so much of how I felt mm. because I remember these moments in college and I, I talked to a therapist and then a psychiatrist in college about ADHD for the first time. And... I remember I would have these moments and I would try to explain to friends like my brain is just not like working for me right now in this way. And I would try to explain it and they would not get it. And I felt crazy. Mm. And then when I, I remember talking to my therapist at the time about it and 
she talked about, like the way ADHD often feels is that you have a gas pedal and it sometimes it won't go. Sometimes it's slammed down, yeah. but it feels like you have no control mm. over it. It doesn't feel like you're at the controls. It doesn't feel like you have a brake pedal. Mm-hmm. And I remember for the first time feeling like now I have language and context and framework for this. And and actually now I'm the biggest person that says, no, we do not all in fact have this thing. Sure. Um, Because it's very specific. Do I, do I think we all, you know, maybe have TikTok attention span effect? Mm -hmm. Sure. But we do not all have ADHD. And actually I'm the biggest person, like it's actually very specific things and we Mm -hmm. can talk about the brain scans and, but it, it was very reassuring for me to actually have an explanation and somebody else mirroring back to me in a way that I felt seen and not just, well, we all struggle to feels less hopeless, right? You're like, Oh, well then you go, that makes sense. If someone's like, you know, writing it off saying we all struggle, then there's this feeling of, Oh, well, I guess that I don't, handle struggle very well because all these other people around me seem to be able to you know do these things that I can't and then all of a sudden when you're able to take that diagnosis and go oh no like there's literally there's brain chemistry happening so that maybe my mom can look at me and say oh I struggle with those feelings of depression and anxiety too but is not diagnosed having anxiety and depression. And then I can be like, well, actually my, my brain chemistry. So we are going to operate differently. Well, yeah. And even people with the same diagnosis are going to operate vastly different as differently as well. I know some people struggle with extremely severe ADHD where they like can't hold a job and like can't, and like I am not operating on that same level at all. Um, But like, I don't know about you, Stefan, but particularly with ADHD, I always looked at like, kids and people who had like these hobbies they were like so good at like someone who studied draw or like piano every day for two hours and I was I just remember always thinking to be like damn I will never be able to do that and like I will never be able to master any skill or be able to like spend any dedicated practice on anything because I guess I'm just incapable of that and I still kind of feel that way I'm like unless I'm on some stimulant uh, stimulant I probably will not be able to do that um but it makes me feel a lot better. It's just like, oh, this is not some inherent um, character defect or flaw. Right. Um, well, for me, I I remember a relative saying to me growing up something about me like quitting things or not finishing oh, yeah. things. And it felt like a huge attack because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, nobody wants to be a quitter. No. And, it, and it haunted me. And I remember thinking like, is that true? Is that me? Am I am I really just going to quit everything? And you know what I've realized is to an extent, like now that I know this, I work with myself about it. And so, you know, I have a business manager that literally her job is execution. So I will come up with an idea and I'll live in it and I'll flesh it out. Mm-hmm. But I have her in that role because I'll hand it to her. Yep. So, so take I, it away. Right. You go mm-hmm. execute. So I, I do things to help with it and to to adjust for it. But also what I know to be true is I finish the really core important things. And part of what I've just accepted is like, it is my personality to get really curious about something, get really interested in something and pick it up. And it'd be like a four day rabbit hole. And I'll like read book a, a book about it or I'll watch a bunch of YouTube videos or I'll be like, I'm going to I'm really into this new whatever. But it's like a four day wave and I'll ride it and then it's And you might even buy all of the uh, equipment necessary <laughs> for it. And then you never touch I, it I again. try to restrain. I know purchases I'm trying to get better too. <laughs> because that is a challenge. 
You're like, well, now I'm going to get a whole ceramic set up in my garage. Because <laughs> it feels so exciting it's, in the so moment real. Yeah. that I'm like, oh, I'm a this ceramics is a master. new chapter for yeah. me. Let me dive into this. There was an entrepreneur who wrote a book and I, I loved it, but it was very short. It was very easy to get through. And I literally, I think just yesterday, I saw him post on his story and say, I purposely wrote this book to be one sitting because for me... I'm a one sitting kind of person oh, and whatever cool. I get through in the book, that's typically it. And I like if I can feel like I got a lot of value one sitting, et cetera. So he, he again, just optimizing for what you like learn that. about yourself. And he said, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like that and they're not going to keep revisiting mm-hmm. a 380 page book, but they'll they'll fully go through a one sitting book. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, so now I do shorter books. One sitting, I design them to get you through the book. And he literally does things like, I've made the audiobook 99 cents. So if it would help you to retain the information, go get the audiobook, listen to the audiobook on two times speed, because I know your brain is moving yeah. rapidly. Uh, go get the audiobook and read and listen and get through it in one sitting. And I'm like, you are a godsend to me. Yeah. <laughs> this is really working for me. And you get a sense of accomplishment too, because you're right. You you're like, finished I finished it. the book. Yes. Oh, win. <laughs> okay, oh, man. Okay. Well, speaking all about right. all of this stuff, can you give us, can we learn Tell a little, who you are. Why a little are you more here? about you? <laughs> can like, you give us a little I'm bio? I'm just here bringing babies. Um, <laughs> I, mean... I was actually delivering on behalf of DoorDash. I don't know why I'm actually in the seat. This is our new series. <laughs> yeah, Bailey's with strangers. I was just walking around in yeah, Los like, Angeles. You happen to be in this great Christmas sweater, bringing Yuletide cheer. Yes. Yeah, so who are you? What do you do? All that. Um, well, my name is Stefan. As the vampire name is, I've never watched an episode of that show, but I haven't either. It what is show? Stephen. I've heard it's the great. Vampire Diaries. Yeah, and, see, neither of us. And have. one time, this None is of us you, you got to be careful at LA parties. One time I was making that reference, you know, I was introducing myself, Stefan, like Steph Curry, like the Vampire Diaries. Hopefully one of those references helps you. I don't know. And I said, you know, I haven't seen a single episode of this show. And the woman goes, oh, I actually write on that show. And as I said, the critically acclaimed, much beloved (laughs) Vampire Diaries. Um, So yeah, my name is Stefan. So I grew up in fundamentalist Christianity in the South. So do you all know Bob Jones University? Yes. Um, but I of course. Like you, I felt like yeah, if yeah, there yeah. was ever a place in a podcast that would know, Listen, it would be you two. I used to, I would, when, when I was homeschooling, we had all the Bob Jones University books. Those were all the textbooks. I am so sorry. It's okay. I am <laughs> sorry as well. I am made so it. so sorry for what we you learned <laughs> about the, the alleged history. <laughs> the history of, of America. The United yes. States. It was a rough, yeah, it's, rough education. Uh, yeah, looking back, it's now I have to go look at the covers. Great. Yeah, okay. I can envision. This is such a weird, random thing, but I can envision the cover of Heritage Studies, which is what they called history. Even that sounds like a little white supremacy. Yeah, heritage, heritage studies. studies. It was like, like the heritage of what? Yeah. The, this racist school? Yeah, no, for real. Um, anyway, I did not go to the high school reunion uh, a few weeks ago. I was not invited. So oh no. So I grew up in this world and. You know, it's funny because like sometimes I talk about it a lot in interviews and things. Sometimes I don't. Either way, though, it, it, it the way that it plugs into my story is I grow up in this world of so much fear. Mm-hmm. And I was this very sensitive little gay boy taking private figure skating lessons um, in this world. And I internalized all of it, like mm-hmm. all of these beliefs. And so 
I was the kid that like, I believed everybody's going to hell and I need to like, what about our neighbors? And like, we need to go witness them because I internalized it all. And I, I fully was on board and I went on mission trips with my parents. And so I, I grew up in that world. And then around 12 years old, realized that I was gay. And it's interesting because I, all, I often look back and wonder, had I not been gay and that not interrupted the world. Mm. Could I have just become a dogmatic fundamentalist Christian adult? Mm. I don't know if it would have lasted my whole life, but I think it it could have lasted could at have least had a into longer adulthood. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But but the damn gay thing that I'm now so <laughs> thankful for um messed it up at the time because mm-hmm. I knew what they said about gay people and I knew how we were supposed to feel about gay people and actually to be very, very afraid of them. And then it's me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm just a boy that likes Zac Efron, okay? Like, I'm just a boy. <laughs> um, so anyway, so at 18 years old, I get kicked out of the house, and mm-hmm. I have to restart life. Yeah. Um, and so I think what ended up happening is all of these big questions that I feel like at 40, 50, 60 years old often is when people really start to get into this and want to have their sure. eat, pray, love journey. All of that hit for me from like 18 to 21 because mm-hmm. I had to figure out what is true, what is real, what is what what is true for me, like as mm-hmm. in spirituality about life, about who I am, about why I'm here, about what I want to do with my life. So I had to figure all of that out. And all of those like internal belief crises were hitting Bam, right at 18. Mm. Um, So I did therapy all four years of college. It was very, very helpful. Halfway through college, I discovered coaching. And the first coach that I ever met was very much like, was very spiritual focused Mm -hmm. of like helping people find a spirituality that works for them. And like, he has a beautiful background because he grew up with atheist parents. So mm-hmm. he, it was opposite as me. Like he, I mean, they, they shamed people who like believed in anything spiritual and were like, come on, that's not rational. That's mm-hmm. not whatever. But he didn't have any religious trauma whatsoever. And so he just had such a clean energy around yeah. like you get to read whatever resonates for you. You get to explore with no pressure of where you have to end up. And at the end of the day, I just want you to feel loved and connected. And so that was my introduction to coaching in the middle of that journey. And I had kind of thought as a kid, I was probably going to work in a church or a nonprofit or some type of ministry. Sure, sure. Because I I thought that I was going to have a platform, but I wanted to do something impactful. I wanted to help people. And so that's just what I thought you did. And when I started college, as I was figuring all this out, I had a mega church phase it was a time. Yeah. It was a time. Um, and so, you know, it was a it was definitely a journey to use that overused word to figure out who I was and, and what was true for me. Um, but ultimately, that's what got me on this path. And though I think learning who you are and figuring out how to live authentically is still an everyday thing. Um, I know that on the other side of doing that work and embracing that was a much more incredible life than mm-hmm. what I thought I could ever have as a kid. So mm-hmm. so I like personal development. And okay, that's, yeah. So what so what what's yeah. the path that you're on right now? What do you like cause yeah, what what does your day to day life look like now and kind of where are you at in this 
sphere. In this moment? Yeah. So I was going back and forth, as I told you all with the Baileys, uh, between (laughs) LA and Nashville for a few years. Yes. And um, my landlord, I was renting a condo from an owner in Nashville, and the landlord decided he was going to sell it because it was like in that initial pandemic window Mm -hmm. where everyone was like, where can I get cash fast? We're panicking. Yes. (laughs) And so he was like, I'm actually going to be selling this, just so you know. (laughs) Great. And so anyway, at the time, I didn't expect that news, but it it actually was a really good thing because I kind of embraced, let's go back to full time in LA, which I hadn't been for a few years. Um, I moved to downtown in the pandemic and I love it. I, mm-hmm. I get a lot of faces, a lot of terror in people's yeah, eyes people when I tell like, them what? that. Um, but I, I love my little mini neighborhood downtown. I love where I live. Um, and yeah, I, so I have a couple days a week. I talk to my clients and I, I truly love every single person on my roster right now, which is such a gift. Like I, I definitely had seasons where you know, somebody was still on the the roster and it was feeling a little eh for some reason. And at this point, I I have the privilege of being able to be picky about who I work with and like really making sure that it's a good fit on all ends. So I love the clients that I work with. Um, and then I do random TV things for fun. I can't obviously say details because we know how LA is, but I am filming something in 2022. Ooh, exciting. That um, I'm excited about. I think it's going to get messy but in a fun way, and I'm here for it, and I, I will stop talking at that point. But um, but yeah, that is my life now, and I'm ready for the holidays, and this is my favorite time of year. So I feel like I'm at my most powerful. What is most to you? Okay, Aaron, okay. we're back. <laughs> uh, how does coaching differ from like, obviously you don't have to be a licensed therapist to coach, but like, I guess, yeah, What what is the, I've never worked with like any kind of coaching like that before yeah like, do you well, call yourself a life coach yes and, okay. and I tell people I I have done that term for the entire time for two reasons um one so it is actually a technical term like you you don't have to get certified but you can I am certified as a life coach that is the technical term and so there is an understanding and an really an agreed upon understanding of what is legal, what is ethical, a code of what conduct, is professional, yeah. et cetera, sure, with clients. Sure. So life coach is the technical term in that sense. And though people use many, many other terms, you're probably not going to get trained or certified as, a, you know, a, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an, a really outlandish term. And I feel like I've heard so many, but like empowerment coach, like maybe somebody's come up with a certification for yeah. that. But But the other thing is, I am very passionate about people experiencing success in a way that actually feels good and works with their life. Mm. I feel like, you know, the example I always think of for some reason is when Ariana Grande had that year from hell and it was, she had never had higher charting, higher sales, like more awarded songs, but her personal life was so rough that year. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'm not saying that her responsibility was any of that. All these things were happening that were out of her control. But I just always remember the very visceral moment where she, I think she won a Grammy or whatever. I don't know if it was a Grammy, whatever award show it was, she won something for Thank You Next. And I remember she was accepting it and she was crying. And it just made me so sad because I, she's in this moment of like peak success in her career at that point as big as you can from every external metric but it was a very hard year and I think often 
clients will come to me because they do have success to a certain point, but it doesn't feel like what they're supposed to be doing. There's there's like a dream or a purpose thing that they've never paid attention to, or they're just not happy and it doesn't feel good. And mm-hmm. it's hard to enjoy success when it doesn't feel good, particularly when people shame you or judge you for not being grateful for what you have. Mm-hmm. And I, I always remember this sweet Southern man was driving me to the airport in Nashville one day and we were talking about me life coaching and working with country people and whatever. And he goes, you know, pardon my question, but I don't really understand why a successful entertainer will really need a life coach. <laughs> and I, I was a little like sassy at 730 in the morning. And I said, <laughs> well, sir, it's kind of this attitude that makes it all the more difficult for people to get help for people who want and need support in all of these highs and lows. But most of the world is looking at them going, I mean, what do they have to complain about? Are Mm -hmm. you kidding me? What problems could they have? Mm -hmm. And so, so my favorite metaphor, I love a good metaphor. My favorite metaphor with coaching versus therapy is therapy is often designed to help us like dig through and excavate the past. So, for example, for me in my journey, I had a lot of childhood stuff to work through extensively and a lot of repressed emotions and things to feel. And therapy was so good for that, which is why I did it for four years through college. Right. So therapy is there often to excavate the past. And this is broadly speaking, and everyone's going to have different definitions. But life coaching, I like the metaphor that it's there to be like an architect building your future. Mm. And so I work with people for six months at a time and someone will come to me and I'll ask them right off the bat, what is it that you want to work on and create over the next six months? And we get to build that together. And that doesn't mean that childhood stuff is not going to come up. That doesn't mean that none of your past is going to be relevant, but I think it's a different focus. I think therapy is often a very open-ended, how are you doing? Let's check in. What do we need to talk through? Life coaching has this element of, and and I'm not like a, we're going to, you know, positivity bully you into your goals, Mm -hmm. but it does have a focus of what are we focused on right now? What are we trying to create? Exactly. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Do you think that's only for people who have already done the work in therapy or not necessarily? Not necessarily. I mean, I think I had a ton of childhood trauma, which I have no shame about saying. Um, Everyone did not have the childhood that I had. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I will say whenever someone comes to me and I feel that they're not in a good place for coaching or particularly that therapy would better serve them, I will refer someone in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... You know, anytime there's addiction issues, that is not a specialty of mine. I cannot support with that. Um, any, there's just certain things. If somebody needs a clinical diagnosis or a clinical consultation about something, a mental illness issue that I'm just not qualified. So there's a lot of things where I would absolutely refer someone. At this point, so I've been doing it for around eight years. At this point, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of can I help somebody or can I not? Mm. And so... You know, we we take applications all the time. We actually say no at this point to more people than we say yes to because I really do want to be sure. You know, at this point, I'm like a little superstitious about it. But eight years into it, I've never had a refund request. I've never had like a an unhappy client. I'm very proud of that. But I we're also not trying to change that. <laughs> so so I'm very selective about I want to make sure that I know what you're coming to me with, that I know what you want, and that I really feel that I can help you. And I wouldn't have you come on board as a client if I didn't 
feel that. So, yeah. you know, I, I think it, there's a lot of nuance in it. But at this point, I very much trust my gut and trust my professional analysis to look at. Is somebody right for this or are they not? You know? Well, it's interesting. I wanted to go back a little bit of what you were saying of sort of that comment of, you know, how people think someone doesn't need help if they've just reached all the success or whatever. And sometimes actually I feel like reaching the success is what can be very depressing. Um, I remember coming off of the bachelor and that was by no means the, all the things I wanted to do in the world. But I, I had for a lot of my childhood, honestly, in like teen years, I was like, Oh my God, I want to be famous. You know, I want to do, I want to, I want to be on TV. I want to, I want to act. I want to be in the spotlight, whatever. And, um, then I came off The Bachelor and the show aired, aired and I was like, wow, I got like everything that I wanted. And then I was just like, oh, and it just sort of hit like a ton of bricks. I was like, well, where the hell am I supposed to go now? Am I am I happier? No. Am I, if anything, it created more problems in my life than I had before. And now I have this cacophony of voices and opinions that I didn't have before. And yes, there's a ton of validation, which I always wanted, but then there's also the one in 1000 horrible things. That, <laughs> and that's the only thing that will bug in your brain at night. So I just felt like, I just feel like that's really difficult to navigate. And particularly when, I mean, I don't know, it's just my particular experience, but coming off of like a reality TV show, it's not like you've slowly built up a career either. It's like you're going from zero to 100 in a really short amount of time. And it can be so overwhelming, especially because people aren't seeing you like in an acting role or an entertaining role. They're like seeing you as you and then making a lot of judgments on like who you are. Anyway, I was just thinking about how, what a hard time I had after getting all these things that I thought I wanted and that so many other people think is the pinnacle of like personal success. Yeah, well, I, okay, so I, I love this conversation. I'm just <laughs> taking a moment to acknowledge that. And I, I have two thoughts about this. One, when you feel like success is out of reach, your brain really spins a lie that says, if you just had that, uh -huh. oh my God. Yeah. I mean, you, it would be a fairy tale. It would be a dream come true. Your life would be so good. And when you don't have success, your brain presents whatever your version of it is as this end-all, be-all portal to happiness. And the truth is, there can be a lot of happiness and fulfillment and success. But success is its own, I hate to keep using this word, but it's just a very good neutral word. Success is its own journey to go through, right? Yeah. Sometimes it happens very fast and it's disorienting. Sometimes it comes with residual effects that you didn't think about or plan on and you have to cope with those. Sometimes it's just disorienting. Like I'll have clients tell me all I wanted to do was get to a million dollars. Like, oh, I thought it would be such a success. And for my, my little girl self, like if I could just be a million dollar business owner and then they get there and I always tell them like, this is normal and everyone has moments of achievement. And then we have to ask what comes next. But but there's this journey with success. It's not an ending to have a moment of success. It's the beginning of all of these other things. Mm -hmm. And I also think, and I this is probably controversial within the nation, but here's the thing. I I'm just very big on people owning their desires and not having to have any judgment or apology about that. I think for me that comes from 
I was gay and I was told you shouldn't be gay. You shouldn't have crushes on guys. You shouldn't. I was told that for so long. Mm -hmm. And for me to embrace that this is actually who I am and there was nothing wrong about my desires was a very healing, honestly, very spiritual thing for me to embrace the Mm -hmm. person that I really was. But because of that, I am the biggest believer. My clients have all kinds of different desires. Um, I had a client tell me earlier this year, really, Stefan, what I would like in this season is just to create more beauty in my life which is not any kind of like achievement, goal, whatever paradigm. That's what she wanted in that season, right? And I'm just a big believer in own whatever it is. And people do not feel like they can say, I would like to be famous. I would like to have a platform. I would like to be on TV. Mm -hmm. I love that you owned it about your story. Um, But I'm the biggest believer in like either own it or if you don't want it, do whatever you do for your career, for an opportunity. But but then own what you do want. But either way, no judgment. And I think it's mm. so funny how people want to play this game of like, I kind of want it, but I don't want people to think I want it too badly. <laughs> and I have to, and I'm just like, what if you just owned it? Yeah. That you wanted it, you know? I want attention. Okay, broads, it's Becca again with a quick sponsor break. It's almost the new year, which means that it's almost time for New Year's resolutions. I like New Year's resolutions, and I, for one, think we should all make it our resolution to seek out a little more pleasure in every area of our lives. And one surefire way to add some pleasure into your life is with Dipsy, the app that we love, full of short, sexy stories. Okay, so if you're like us, you've been using and loving Dipsy for a long time, you know it's got the best library of sexy audio stories that are like radio theater erotica that is... It's just the production quality is fantastic. And now in addition to that, you can check out their collection of written stories as well. So no matter what you're into or what turns you on, Dipsy helps bring the stories to life anytime, anywhere. And you'll never run out of things to listen to or read because there are hundreds of stories to choose from and there's more being added each week. And while you're already on the app exploring, be sure to check out their awesome wellness sessions as well. They'll help you wind down after a long day. And they've also got a great selection of sleep sessions so you can fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and wake up more more well-rested. I think it's just a great way to calm your mind. I'm someone who can have crazy racing thoughts before bed and it can really keep me up late. Anyway, for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash chatty. That's 30 days of full access when you go to dipsea.com, like a dip in the sea slash chatty dipsy stories.com slash chatty i love living in la county most of the time we have amazing weather there's so much to do we're close to the beach but one thing la is not known for is their amazing air quality (laughs) let me just tell you the smog has some real effects on your health when you're breathing it in day in day out i've even noticed like effects on my skin from it it's crazy so that's why we tell everyone we know to check out Homedic's Total Clean Air Purifier. I need an air purifier in my house at all times, especially in our bedroom. Makes me feel much more comfortable with what we're breathing in, and Homedic's is awesome. The UVC light removes 99% of airborne allergens, including pollen, pet dander, smoke, and mold, and it can purify rooms up to 343 square feet. I like to have an air purifier pretty much everywhere. And thanks to Homedic's Whisper Quiet technology, you can turn the total clean on all night in your bedroom and you won't hear a thing. 
Uh, and I'm pretty sensitive to noise when I sleep too. I don't notice anything when we have our Hometics air purifier on. It even comes with a little nightlight feature. It can be used with aromatherapy, which I really love because it makes the whole house smell amazing. And I notice I'm breathing so much easier now that we've started sleeping with our Hometics air purifier each night. Um, gosh, especially during allergy season, I used to always get, um, I used to always get like sinus infections because of pollen in the fall. And so it's good to know I'm like eliminating those allergens with my air purifier. So whether you're dealing with allergies too, or if you're just looking to keep your family safer, we've got good news. Right now, if you go to homemedics.com slash chatty and use promo code chatty, you'll receive a free replacement filter with the purchase of your air purifier, which is up to a $99 value. Make sure you add the replacement filter to your cart or else the promo code won't work. So again, that's a free replacement filter. When you go to H-O-M-E-D-I-C-S dot com slash chatty and use promo code chatty. I, I want to <laughs> now we've been throwing around this word a lot and I'm curious what how would you define success? So I'm going to use an Oprah quote. I'm okay. actually surprised we made it this far without <laughs> me referencing Oprah. But um this is very Oprah. It's at least an Oprah paraphrase. It's language that I've heard her use a bajillion times. She says, being who you came here to be and doing what you came here to do. Mm. And I know that that's such a subjective, you know, kind of ethereal definition that a lot of people are like, I need something more left brain than that. Is it left brain? I always get them confused. Yes. Left brain is yes. analytical. And so a lot of people will be like, that's a very airy-fairy definition. But to me, there is this sense of, do, am I going to bed at night feeling like today I was really myself? I made choices that were for me, not what I think I need to be or just as a means to an end or to, for the opinions of others. I really was myself. And I feel like, and again, it doesn't have to be every single moment. Like, do you, if you have to run to Target, does that have to feel like I am healing the world? Part of my purpose-driven yeah. life. <laughs> right, 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 right. It, it doesn't have to be that grandiose, but mm -hmm. just, you know, Oprah would always use the example of like meeting the guy who baked pot pies in Cape Cod and just had a satisfaction that like, this is so right for me. I love running this business. I love being in the kitchen. I love having this local community. I want everyone to have that sense of I really deeply love the life that I have. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I mean, not that I was still trying to answer the life coach question, but that is actually really the answer of why I use that term. Of course, I want people to have business results, career sure. results, money results. But if that feeling is not beneath it, um, I don't feel like we did the, the work fully. Yeah, I don't, mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times we're using the term success when that's maybe not the right word because I agree with that definition and I think the definition of purpose sort of falls along those same lines. Yeah. But I think sometimes we're using like financial gain under the umbrella of success and in certain instances it's not, that person has not really reached much personal success. I mm -hmm. mean, I don't know. I know people in my life who have, you know, they could make like the Forbes list, whatever, and it's just sort of like, well, are you being true to like what you want or someone else's dream that you feel like you have to live up to? Or, you know, you're trying to placate childhood trauma and a scarcity mindset that you're try constantly trying to overcompensate for. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I think a lot of times we're not using the term success yeah. correctly and we should be using other more specific words like a financial milestone. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Well, this, this feels like a very subjective term that we're not always using properly. And I think with the financial piece in particular, 
money is a really great tool to support you along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my favorite paradigms or beliefs around money is like money is the thing that enables you to say yes. And I don't think we need to lie that money opens up a lot of possibilities Uh, because money makes a lot of yeses possible. And that could be you need to visit a family member. You can immediately say yes. You want to give to somebody or something. You can immediately say uh, yes. Medical procedure. Yes. Anything, you know, from, yeah. from, from the crisis to even the passion project kind yeah. of thing. Money enables yeses. And it's a very good thing to support you. It is not a good end in and of itself. A goal. The, the ultimate goal is I, accumulation. Right. right. And I, you know, I think about like there are a lot of entrepreneur types who say like, you know, people who say money and Ariana even put it in a lyric about something along the lines of people who say that money doesn't solve problems must not have had enough money to solve them. (laughs) Here's the thing though. I talk to the people who come to me. And, and so to an extent, like if they're in a place where they can afford to invest in themselves with whatever support they want to work on their inner world. Sure. In that sense, yeah, money is solving a problem, Mm -hmm. but get a $200 a week therapist, get to you know, life coach, acupuncture, whatever. Mm -hmm. And yet they're also coming because the money is not doing everything automatically. Right. So there's, I think there's a dual truth to tell there, which is I would never deny that money makes a lot possible and it's a wonderful thing to support you. I don't think it's worth being your dream. And I think a lot of people, this is a very entertainment world kind of metaphor, but a lot of people are so focused on how do I get into the room? Which is, again, this very like destination. I'm going to get to success. Well, you like, for example, you got on TV. And so the conversation is, how do you get into the room? And there's not a lot of preparation in advance for people often of, who am I going to be in the room Mm. and how am I going to feel in the room and can I sustain being in the room? And so again, reasons people come to me is they get in the room and then they're terrified or they're stressed or they think it's going to leave at any moment or they're miserable or they're inauthentic or whatever. And why get to the room only to realize, I don't know who I am in this room. Mm -hmm. I hate being in this room. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I belong here. And that's where there's just, it's not just about getting into the room. It's mm-hmm. about who, who you're going to be in the room. Mm-hmm. True, for sure. Yeah, I mean, when you were, you're the Stefan Oprah definition of success, like really, I feel like is so quality because I was thinking about just my own personal life and I'm like, okay, when have I felt the most success? And for me, I, I know I felt the most success not when I like have made the most money or had goals that have been accomplished. Now, granted, that's been a great moment. Like our podcast, like the fact that, you know, this is able to like help sustain life and like we can do it for work is amazing. And like those milestones are huge. But I remember feeling the most success when I made like an active decision in my life to pull away from what was comfortable, which was like, you know, the conservative home I was raised in and potentially take that risk. And it was very scary. But when I finally pulled away from it and was able to start like being myself at the time, I didn't even have a job. Like I had no work. And I remember Mm. feeling like I would wake up every day and I felt very successful. You were like, yes, I did it. And I was like, I did it every day. And I felt so fulfilled, even though it was like, I'm not making any, like, I'm not making any money right now. I'm living off of my savings at the moment. 
And, but I had a fire in me that was like, no, I know I'm going to, you know, work again. I'm going to get stuff under my belt, but it was the feeling of success. That's what helped shift me was the, when I was truly who I was and I was being authentic to who I was every day. I remember, um, I told myself like, I think it was shortly before I went on the bachelor. I was like, damn, I will just be happy financially when I can go to the beach and I can pay with for $20 parking without thinking twice about it. And then I'll know that I've made it. And then now I can do that. And of course it is such a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. You hit that milestone. Then you're like, Ugh, one day I'll be able to walk into, you know, Balenciaga and buy a $1,500 pair of sneakers and not blink. And it's like, you're always going to be moving the goalposts if you don't have a solidified goal about like who mm. you want to become. Well, and I think, um, do you all know who Jay Hunter is? No. So he's a, he's a friend of mine in LA. He's an actor. And I, I tell him, like, I could listen to him talk about this stuff all day because he, he's found this sweet spot that I think is often hard to get to mm. of like being deeply grounded in wholeness and peace and love no matter what. And being driven, which mm. I feel like, especially for L.A., is like a vibe for yes, most people sure. in this city. Yes. And so so on one hand, he is driven and he'll set a goal. And like at the beginning of his career, he wanted to win an Emmy. And so he won an Emmy and is like, great, wow. I did the goal. But he's also so rooted in, I want to go to bed at night with deep peace. And I want to feel joy in the everyday moments of my life. And I, I want to feel connected to unconditional love. And like, you know, he just articulates this. And I, every time I listen to him talk about it, I think this is the paradox that is the, the goal is because there's nothing wrong with being driven. Like I always tell people when you create a new experience in your life, you have a new vantage point. Mm -hmm. So when all I could envision was getting to California, I was telling someone the other day, my California vision from the East Coast was very small. All I truly envisioned was I was like, there's going to be palm trees. <laughs> there's going to be in and out and I'm going to get to California and it's and warm weather. My California vision was tiny. Yeah. So does that make me a failure or does that make me ungrateful that I got to California and very quickly wanted more? I don't think there's anything wrong no, with that. No, no. It's just, can you live in that sweet spot of being grateful, being at peace, like living in a place of wholeness that there's yeah. not things missing from mm -hmm. your life on the way and keep reaching for more. Right. And I think that's the spot I always want to live in. Well, and I would imagine that would then would be so then beneficial in having someone like you as a life coach, because when even I'm just thinking back, like before I had that moment where I felt a lot of success in my life or becoming me, I was saying yes to everything and I had no boundaries. And I know for myself, it's like, okay, when all of a sudden, you know, maybe financial success starts to come or, you know, any sort of notoriety or whatever, you're starting to just go, it's, you go, yes, okay, I'm, I got to do it all now, like feast or famine type mentality, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, I've lost complete vision of what I actually wanted mm -hmm. because I'm just saying yes to everything instead of like having someone going like, okay, what's the actual goal? And is this going to bring be something that helps that goal and brings you peace ultimately? Or is this going to just, you know, add more stress, add more confusion, 
you know, whatever. Or like, is that's your, huge. Or is your um, inherent worth tied to the accomplishment of sure. said goal, right? Sure. And I think it's like the sweet spot also has to do with like taking yourself seriously, but not too seriously, right? Being able to validate yourself and be like, and bitch, it's not that big of a deal. If you like work for that goal and if you don't get the Emmy, well, you still know that you're a damn good actor, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's okay. Mm-hmm. In, right. You know, it's like and, that balance. And I think the paradox that it might actually allow you to create better work to not be attached to the Emmy while right. you're creating. That the attachment, this is very like Eastern religion, mysticism, which I'm mm-hmm. all for, but... The idea that attachment is actually not helping you get get there faster. And I think some people feel like the worry and the stress and the need they feel for it, it is helping them, pushing right. them, whatever. Mm-hmm. And in reality, I feel like it often gets in the way. I agree. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think it, you see it in relationships, too. Yeah, you say that person in the room who's like. I want a husband, so I want to meet my person, yeah. you know? And everyone in the room that they're meeting is kind of like, versus the person that's like, I don't know, I'm happy with myself. And everyone's clawing to be with that person. Mm-hmm. It's just like a people give, you're, you're giving off your energy of either like desperation or like I'm already in abundance right where I'm at, right? Mm-hmm. So um, people talk a lot about law of attraction. Yeah, My sure. favorite, like law or principle that I just think is fun to talk about is law of repulsion because I feel like nobody talks about it. No, I've never no, heard I've never anyone talk either. about that. <laughs> well, and, and let me tell you. Now I'm, like, I'm already like, law of repulsion. I love that. Now you're going to watch episodes and be like, mm, honey, law of repulsion <laughs> in full effect. So, so basically, law of repulsion says the more that you feel a need, an addiction, an attachment, an obsession that you need something, particularly I would say like for validation, to prove something to somebody, whatever. The more you need it that badly, it actually does not attract it to you. It actually pushes it away. Wow. And it, and it's so real. And yeah. I, there have been moments in my career where I could feel I want this thing so badly that I'm, I'm, it's, it's almost like to use a, a metaphor, you're gripping it so tightly that mm-hmm. you end up with these clenched fists that you can't receive anything yep. because you you're clenched so tightly because you need it so badly. And so the the quote unquote hack, which I know is easier said than done, is if law of repulsion is in effect, it's pushing the thing away. You have to do whatever it looks like to let go of the the need peace. And I think there's a lot of ways to do that. I remember in the early couple of years of my business, I would be so anxious about like, I didn't have a ton of clients and I didn't feel great about where I was in business yet, but I, I just didn't know what to do. And then every day and I went full time in business, but I had all this blank space in my schedule and I was stressed and I didn't know what to do. And sometimes what would break the law of repulsion thing for me is I would go to the beach, go to the mall, go see a movie literally just to get out of the I'm sitting around waiting for an email to come in waiting for this to show up so law of repulsion and you will see it in so many shows where the person is like you think that you want it so badly that this is a good sign and this is going to go well for you and it is not reading that way (laughs) and especially in relationships but that that's what reminded me of it is it's a principle we all know in relationships because we've all seen the person that it's actually not working for them for their dating life. But that principle uh, really does apply across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I imagine that it would be hard to release without. <laughs> 
almost like pretending that you've let it go. I feel like I've done that in my life. Do you know what I'm saying? Where you're like, I'm no longer tied to the idea of wanting that Emmy. Mm-hmm. And you're like, maybe if I pretend, but it's, then but the, it the is universe so, won't know. But it is so fake it till you make it. I guess like so. I've, I've, yeah. that's been beneficial for me where I'm like, I still feel super attached to the need of someone or something. And I'm going to just pretend like I don't need it. And eventually yeah, I your don't actions are need gonna follow it. Yeah, that it's a little bit like, through. it's like, oh my God, right now, like, I feel like I need this person so desperately. And I'm True. just going to start pretending like I don't, I don't, I don't, even though inside it's just like, ah, but when I was physically then outside True. being like, I don't, it started to become true that's that is true I guess that's the first step like if we are talking about a guy it's like okay if I am pretending that I don't need them then I (laughs) don't need to say yes to the date on Saturday night when I already had plans and then you won't end up going right right (laughs) well and I do feel like there are situations that are out of our control right and I always tell clients like I'm not here to maintain the illusion of control for you because it's too fragile and something will happen Mm -hmm. that will remind you that all of this stuff in life is out of your control and it, it will just all shatter so it's not about that but I do think there are so many little things we could make like if you ask yourself what is the choice I can make right this minute there's often so many things we can do and I think there's not one practice or one action that works for everybody, but you can learn what shifts you. So even for me, like I have a balcony that I can walk out to outside of my bedroom, right? If I'm really in my head about like long day, I'm like, my brain is trying to solve this thing really in my head. Literally, I have found that even just setting my phone down, going onto the balcony, sitting on the couch, maybe playing a song like with AirPods or whatever, and breathing some fresh air and just feeling the city, not me and my own little world in my room with this, whatever. Just being in that fresh air, taking some breaths, sitting out there for a 10 minute reset almost always affects how I feel. Mm-hmm. So I don't want people to feel like you have to force something that feels really unnatural, mm-hmm. but look for the little things that shift you. I, I, you know, I could always rely on a cycling class. I would sweat so much and move my body so much that I would never leave soul cycle feeling sad. I would never leave soul cycle feeling stressed because of all the endorphins, everything I sweat out, it just always did it for me. I'm not gonna say it's that for everybody, but I think we can look for those things that consistently, reliably shift you. Mm -hmm. And then when you're in a moment where you're like, I'm sitting around stressing about this thing, waiting for this thing, feeling deprived without this thing, you get to make a choice in that moment, even a minute one, but that is a powerful choice for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just like putting your phone away for 10 minutes or whatever. Or or two hours and watch a yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know? no. Putting the I social media away is. Reset. <laughs> Speaking of having a, a movie and a removal of social media mm-hmm. reset, um, we wanted to talk with you a little bit about the holidays um, and people feeling hurt and loneliness during the holidays. Also, I know you asked your followers to ask questions. So if you got any good questions too, please bring them up so we can chat. Yes, about them. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so I actually listened. I was coming back from Disneyland last night and I didn't know that you got into holidays in this episode, but I was like, let me just turn this on. And so I was listening to you all talk about Halloween in the car last night. Yeah. So I, I feel like I heard the prelude to yes. this discussion oh, from a few, yes. few weeks back. Yes. So 
this is the, the social media piece. And by the way, I'm glad you're doing a hiatus for the holidays. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, so kind of scared. Are you? Yeah. I'm like kind of nervous that I, I am nervous that I'm going. I'm taking like a month off. I'm nervous that I am going to using air quotes, waste my time during that hiatus. I think I have kind of grandiose expectations that I'm going to like write a novel, you know, or like, you know, come like yeah. I'm going to like oh, revamp my life. And then what I like at the beginning of the pandemic, when there were memes, oh my gosh. And Shakespeare wrote King Lear. And I'm like, I'm just rewatching Frozen 2 yeah. at this point. I don't want a meme about oh my King God. Lear. This is a lot of pressure. Oh, my God. When I saw those memes where it was like, you could do all this. I was like, I can barely breathe right now. <laughs> like, I'm just panicking. So that's kind of my anxiety is I'm like, I think I have a lot of latent expectations for myself of like how I'm going to like be this like new woman off my after my month long break and I'm worried it's going to be like a lot of me just kind of like sitting around doing nothing. Okay, so this is a good place I feel like to dive into the holiday okay. conversation okay. because I feel like what makes the holidays so intense is the combination of memories and expectations. expectations yeah. And <laughs> well, yes. and both of those. I mean, what a double whammy of pressure. Yeah. So on one hand, people have memories. And I actually love this conversation because it's so many coaching principles that I believe in. And it's just one place to see them. Mm -hmm. We all have a track record of the past in our brain. And so part of the reason it's hard to change your life sometimes is your brain is expecting more of the same. Your brain is, you know, it's learned from the past, but it's also expecting more of the past. Mm -hmm. And it at least reminds you of it. It has all that memory and emotion from oh, yeah. that. So first we get to the holidays and people have all of these memories. And, and there are all these cues, right? Christmas tree, cranberry sauce, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. Like these are all like cues. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the the memories piece is real. And and by the way, like I will just get like sad for a second with our mm -hmm. Baileys. This yeah. is not going to be a depressing Cheers. podcast overall. Cheers. Cheers. Um, but we're just going to get extra extra raw for a moment. I mean, it hasn't been yeah. a depressing podcast at all. It's been no. very uplifting. No, but I'm about to say something. Yeah. Great, great, great. We're ready. So, so I just want people to know on the memories front, and I, I just say this to make it vivid for people that I know people have a lot of pain going into this time of year. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people, you know, well, we could talk about all the holiday shit that I've now become known for, but because of that, people think of me as this like, Nothing but snowmen smiles all through the holidays. <laughs> and what I want people to understand is like my Christmases were by 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 large. I don't think I'm, by and large. By and large. That's the phrase, right? I think. The vast majority of them <laughs> were not good as a child for a, a plethora of reasons. And so though I always would get excited at this time of year, um, typically my Christmas day by like 2 p.m., I would go to this park and you know how 20 years ago, whatever, pe parents let the kids yes. play in the park and like ride around the neighborhood alone. Mm -hmm. It's shocking to think about. <laughs> I know. And so Rattling. I would just go to the park by myself and I would be like on the swings and it was always overcast. Okay. Which just really course, yeah. enhanced that sadness the mood. mood. Yeah. The mood yeah. And I would be at the park at 2 p.m. and I would just be in my feels about... Oh, like I wish I was in a happy family that was having mm. a happy Christmas. And and that was like most 
Christmas endings for me, not even ending, 2 p.m. But like that was most Christmases for me is how they ended up. And even as an adult, I had probably five years in a row where I was processing like everything with my family and then being alone in a new state and all of this stuff. And I had probably five Christmases in a row where I just sobbed every Christmas. So I I say that because I want people to know that this is not like a, I don't understand why everyone wouldn't just be so fucking festive right now. Um, And even like, I have to have a Mariah Carey marketing moment where I just need you to know this story because I love it so much. (laughs) Um, So all I want for Christmas is you arguably one of the most repeated played songs in the entire world. But of course. Like, try to think of a song you hear more times a year. It's tough. Yeah, it's happy birthday and that. Not even Don't Stop Believing plays in CBS (laughs) as much as All I Want. But here's what people don't know about this song, is she wrote this song. She was doing her first Christmas album, and she got out a toy piano, and she thought about how when she was little, she had horrible Christmases. And the cops would show up and people would get violent and parents would fight. And it, w- it was horrific. And every year as a kid, she would be so excited for Christmas, but she would know that it would let her down. And all she wanted was a happy Christmas where she felt safe and loved as a kid. And so she channeled that energy on a toy piano. And she wrote this song that sounds just like a Christmas love song, but but she wrote the song channeling her inner child up. I don't actually care about all of these things. Mm-hmm. I really just want to feel safe and loved and happy. And what's beautiful about it to me is all the stuff she imagined in her head in as a kid. Like she she talks about I read her whole memoir last year. It's beautiful. She talks about imagining choirs and glitter and sleighs and all of these things and she just imagined it to feel better mm-hmm. in a shitty situation. But everything she imagined, she built. And 25 years later, she describes this scene where she's sitting at home. The song finally goes number one for the first time ever. It's number one worldwide. She's sitting there by the fireplace after everyone's gone to bed. And she's she gives herself a moment where she's like, you know, I really did get all I want for Christmas. And that just fully changed. Like, I know I'm like, oh, I've cried to this no, story many times. I have chills all over my body. I'm like, well, that just oh changed gosh, the song. Yeah. You know, every time it comes on, I'm just going to start bawling. Yeah. But <laughs> I, like, I have such an attachment to the song yeah, now because I, of course. once I got it from that lens, I'm like, that's why it resonates with people yeah. is because that's where it came from. We, we don't need another song that just right. says, I need to fall in love that's at Christmas. That's so true. It's that's so true. That's where it came from. Mm-hmm. And so, so I just want to acknowledge that like, the memories can be very, very rough, but also you can have a, a childhood like mine. You can have a childhood like Mariah's, which is far worse than mine from what I read. And and you can still have like beautiful moments in your life now. And I'm, I'm very passionate about that. So there's the memories mm-hmm. piece and then there's the expectations piece. And I loved what you said about Halloween where, man, with Christmas, I feel like people joke about you find out just how rich different friends are when you see the childhood homes and you're like, oh, wow, 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 with this friend. Like, and- they have a snowman outside of that brick. They have a snow machine in the living room. It's really enlightening. And you're like, oh, my God, I feel like this is big oil money. Yeah. Like, wow, like you're ruining the planet. But also yeah. when I marry into that family, right. I mean, that's questionable for the Christmas, though. For the pour some gasoline just, on the fire and don't think about what BP is doing. Just for the Christmas parties. <laughs> Um, right. But so so we have all these expectations. And I think 
just like you said with Halloween, I oh my god, New Year's Eve. I was sitting there in my car. Being yes, like, when she said New Year's, I was tell like, tell the truth that uh, New Year's Eve at the club is always a disappointment. Yes, always. Yes, and so. What a letdown New Year's Eve is in general. What a letdown. Well, let's, honestly, some of my happiest New Year's Eves, I used to watch Anderson Cooper and Kathy Griffin, and yes. now it's Andy Cohen. But I love that New Year's Eve show. And honestly, it's underrated mm-hmm. doing, uh, like, taking shots with them at home with people you love and, like, a fire going, some music playing is actually a highly underrated yes. New Year's Eve. Yes. Those um, are my favorite ones when I think back of the memories. It me wasn't too. the crazy The ones you ones. smile about and yes. don't have, like, the smell of throw-up <laughs> yes. back yes. to your nostrils. Yes. <laughs> um, so I, I think we just have to start from a recognition that what you're seeing on social media. I'm not saying that people are being intentionally deceptive, sure. but just it, it is one photo. It is stories. It's glimpses. It's not real. And whatever you're projecting onto it, like this is where I think about, you know, eight-year-old me being like, oh, I wish I was in a a happy family with a happy Christmas. Now, I I don't spend Christmas with my parents and I would not do it. And I would not recommend that anyone spend Christmas with people that's very painful for them if they have a choice. But I also realized I was projecting that, like, nobody else is having tears today. Nobody else is mm. fighting today. Oh. Everyone else got what they want. And and just be aware of the way that we have these hmm. expectations. And, and I think, like, for example, with your hiatus, what if you just cleaned the slate and said, I might have, like, one focus going in or, like, one intention, but I'm also really open to yeah. what life has for me in yeah. this time, and I don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. But because I think expectations just really raise the stakes unnecessarily for yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my Agreed. goodness. The expectation thing is just absolutely gigantic. Like I think about I think about just like expectations for um what your actual holiday just that day will look like and it's always seems to be a disappointment because you either let yourself down or there's something out of your control even if everything looks perfect. Even if everything is like to a dime, Christmas party perfection, when there's going in with these expectations that it's going to look a certain way, some family member will show up and bring in an energy that is not desired and everything like, and, and, and I, I know for myself personally, so going, uh, Christmas was always the time of year where family, like those two weeks, family was good. Like my mom and my dad always had a strained relationship, but the two weeks before Christmas, everything was like merry and bright. Like everything, they they put on a fucking show for me. Like all the decorations, all this, because I was an only child too for so long. So I think it was very much like, let's pump her full of Christmas spirit. And so I had these really like, Christmas was, I was obsessed with it. Cause that's what, that was like mom and dad, they're good. We're happy. Like that's the mm. time. And then, not going to cry. And then, my dad, my dad left my family on Christmas Eve mm. and, um, that like destroyed me. And cause it was like, that was the one safe space. And I knew that they were struggling, uh, going up to that. And I couldn't believe on that day mm. that it was happening. Cause that was always the safe space. And so since then, after, I was like, it was rough Christmases the next few years because family obviously changed. But since I had my kid, 
I have this, I put these expectations and pressure that I'm like, I will create the perfect the man, Christmas, the Christmas with no, and it's not even like what it looks like. It's like, there will be no confrontation around yeah. my child. Like, and I'm obsessing over it. And every single year since she's been born, there has been something that's come up, whether it's a family argument, whether Evan and I are upset with each other, whether any sort of stress. And I'm just like, Christmas is ruined. And I like fully, <laughs> fully spiral. <laughs> and I'm just like, it wasn't worth it. I, I, next year, I guess it'll work out. Because there's these expectations and pressure of like, I now need to create this perfect space for Ember so that there is zero confrontation on her day, you know? And it's just then you put this weight on you. Well, and really, it seems like it's also about making a safe space for you on that day. <laughs> and, and yes. <laughs> and yes. And in mo I mean, if anything, it's... The, the fact of the matter is it's probably all about me. If I'm being honest, well, like I love my kid, but it's more like I can see that she's well, having a good time and I'm trying to like take, like do this to the child inside of me. Well, yeah. And you don't want her to experience the same thing that of you went through. Of course not. Of course not. And, and I think, I think it's very loving to, I mean, I think about there's a, a dear family of friends that I spend Christmases with now mm. in Nashville. And I remember I got this Peppa Pig tricycle for the little three-year-old last Christmas Cute. and or two years ago, tw uh, 2019. And I remember like wrapping the gifts and like setting up the, the tricycle and whatever. And I, and just wanting her to have such a happy Christmas morning. And I think there is something, I think there's something really beautiful about that. I think that's loving. I just think we have to remember love does not require perfection. Mm. And the, the the tricky thing is Christmas is especially with how long the holiday window is. Yeah, you know, it, the holidays are not a fully safe space for anyone because life happens, circumstances happen, current events happen, relatives show up. There's grief, there's loss, there's breakups. So this is where I think we have to get rid of particularly the expectation of perfection that like nothing is going to go wrong. Mm -hmm. And I even think about this with Thanksgiving. So I, my whole mom's side of the family, the cousins, everybody, we get together on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I get us a beach house on the East Coast. Something always goes wrong. Not, <laughs> not and I don't even like have a, like not in a haunted house. <laughs> right, I'm right. dreading I don't mean it to laugh. I'm literally like, I can just like, but, it's just yeah, so like, real. It's can, so real. I can list them and, and I can find the most beautiful listing. Something will go wrong. Yeah. Last year. Oven didn't work. Right. There's Year no before, water. Whatever. Ants on the kitchen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wi-Fi didn't work. Yeah. My, the home theater. I'm standing uh, there and my cousins are going, there's no Wi-Fi. The <laughs> oven doesn't work. The home theater. And I was like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> this is an FX rerun and you're comedy. you're spending all this money and you're just like, oh my goodness. And things are going wrong. So, so what I think is helpful is staying in a mode of I'm going to keep creating and I'm going to keep creating from love but not holding ourselves to perfection because something is going to go wrong. And I also thought it's really striking that you said something about how it looks. Um, one of my favorite quotes from the pandemic that I heard in 2020 was um, I, a lot of people realize that how their life feels is way more important than how it looks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I do think that was a big pandemic realization for people that like if you were living your life for other people, now you're stuck at home realizing you don't like your life. Yeah. And so that I think that was a big realization. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that is my motto with the holidays is 
This is why I love the idea of like, maybe don't worry about the content as much. If you focus on how the holidays feel and how you can make them as joyful and as loving and as good of memories as you can have, that works well. Mm-hmm. And the opposite of that is the like, I think about the the stereotypical parent trying to capture a family photo. Mm-hmm. And it's like people are fighting, oh, screaming, yeah. upset. <laughs> Mom, when are we going to be yeah. done with this? But as long as the photo looks good. A- and that is what creates the holidays that you sit at home feeling like this actually sucked to be living it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that is the thing to think about going into this month is how do you want the holidays to feel for yourself, for your loved ones, for whoever you're spending them with? And not from a, I have to do it perfectly, but from just how can I show up from the most loving place and make memories? And there's Mm -hmm. so many possibilities there beyond the expectation stuff. Mm -hmm. I think there's, I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast, but I was listening to like a meditation. It's like this app, they have meditations and they also have like little like five minute teachings. And the one concept, I heard a few weeks ago that I just can't get out of my brain is this concept of just begin again. So if it's the, if you, you're working Mm -hmm. out for an hour, 50 minutes of it, it sucked. You haven't like, you've just not felt motivated. You're just like, ugh. then it's like, okay, begin again for the last 10 minutes of your workout, make it the best 10 minutes. Mm. Everything's going wrong. The Wi-Fi, the turkey just burned in the (laughs) oven. Mom and dad were screaming, fighting at each other. It's like, okay. Begin again. Let's put on a movie and let's just relax. You know what? Let's sit down and all go around and say what we're thankful for. Whatever the hell it is. It's like, okay, just begin again. You may only have 30 minutes left in the day before everyone goes to bed. Okay, so just begin again right there and just start fresh Mm. and make it something new. Don't get caught up in like the disappointment and the shame and the sorrow. It's like, all right. I just think of it a lot with like my phone. I'm like, I just sat on my phone for three hours tonight. Wow. Normally it's like, oh, I'm such a piece of shit. I'm just going to sit on it for the last hour too. Why not? You know, then it's like, no, begin again. The last, you know, half hour before I go to bed, I can put away my phone and I can sit and journal or whatever and go to sleep on time. Like Mm -hmm. just, I I don't know. And I just think of that with the holidays. It's like everything may go wrong. So it's like, okay, but just in the next moment, just begin again. You know, Mm -hmm. tell, tell the person you're with that you love them. Even if you guys just, I don't know, whatever applies, but. I I do love, by the way, the Taylor Swift um, song title, given the recent Red, uh, Taylor's version release. Yes. Um, But, you know. Is that a song title from it? Begin Again. You got to listen to it. (sighs) Track 16, I think. Um, But but here's the thing is, when I talk to people about the holidays, and, you know, I've even talked to people about, I'm doing this big party this week, and I've talked to people about, you have said to me, Stefan, I normally am not a Christmas person, but I am coming for you. I am getting <laughs> festive for you. And when when you talk to people about the holidays, often it's because they have this whole track record of the past. And they're like, you don't understand. You don't understand what it's like to spend Christmas with my father. You don't, And I'm like, I, I don't know. And I don't understand. Um, I have been in bad Christmases for sure, but I don't know yours. But what I do know is... Um, Even if December 25th, like even for some people I know that day is pretty locked in with marriage, with family, with whatever it is, even if that specific day is locked in and you don't actually have much say in it. I'm like, we're talking December 2nd, (laughs) like we're talking making a Christmas memory on December 2nd Mm -hmm. or December 11th or and, 
you know, one of my favorite spiritual texts, Course in Miracles, has all of this Christian language, but it like it, it uses it in different ways metaphysically. And one of the things it talks about is we are, you know, you can use this phrase in a different meaning that we are in a sense born again anytime we don't carry forward the past into the present because it allows us to birth something new in that mm -hmm. moment. And I love that imagery because that is what it's about to me is you could have had 25 or 50 or however many holidays that were XYZ and you have a new moment and a new opportunity in front of you and what is possible here. And especially like, you know, there's Jewish people listening who I, please have the best time with Hanukkah. There's people listening who may observe solstice or other Yule, other pagan rituals at this time. There's people who may be completely, I just don't like the holidays, anywhere yeah. in between. But I would just say, if if you have been a person that has like not fully leaned into joy at this time or has been like a little anxious about doing so or whatever. A lot of that is not because it's not authentic to you to celebrate. It's because mm. there's some pain there. Yeah. It's because you don't know what it can look like for yeah, you right now. Yeah, and fear of more disappointment yeah. too, you know? Like, I don't want to get my hopes right. up again. Mm -hmm. And also, like, to just let it feel good and work on how can it feel good while also knowing wherever you are at this time is fine. Mm -hmm. um, what I, You know, what I asked my followers yesterday was, how are you feeling and where are you at emotionally mm -hmm. as we head into this year? And there's always a range at this time of year. And there are people who are already very focused on goals for 2022 and excited about the new year. There are people who are in love for the first time in years and are thrilled that they get to have somebody special for the first time in a while. Um, there are people who have had a loss in the past year, and this is their first Christmas without fill-in-the-blank person. Mm. And so they're kind of dreading that and sad about that and, and all sorts of things. And I think wherever you are emotionally at this time is so, so, so okay. Mm -hmm. And you get to decide what, what the experience can look like. And just like we're saying with New Year's, if you need a really chill, self-care laid back Christmas or holiday moments, you can do that. If you want to gather friends, you can like, you get to decide what it looks like for you. And it's going to look different for everybody. Um, but don't just, it's got to be what, you know, uncle so-and-so does every year. Mm -hmm. Because again, you, even if you have to stop by uncle so-and-so's whatever, you could have a, a Christmas Eve moment or a December 21st moment with your friends that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And that be the memory you take. Mm -hmm. And then you just go hug Uncle Steve-O real quick and, and get out of there, you know? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, love that. Yeah, and sometimes too, it's like those, let's just say family traditions that people are like, oh, I can't get out of it. Like, I mean, I understand that there are some people in certain circumstances, but like sometimes you can like I've, I've right. said, like, I've said no before. And it's like, I know that it's painful and it's been painful than for certain family members, but there's been points where it's like, I can't, I can't handle this emotionally right now. And it's going to be too damaging for me. And I'm also going to bring in something and put it on you. That's not your issue. And I'm going to make this turn this whole thing upside down. And I need space to be alone on this holiday and that's been helpful, even though, you know, it's not like it's 
it's easy. not easy, but it was necessary sometimes. And, you know, that's okay. And sometimes it is. And I love does not require you to be miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's so valid. Uh, you know, I think from my lens as a gay man, I've had to walk through this with friends who are also gay or queer, et cetera, and were getting married. And they had to navigate. Yeah. Did they even want to invite? Would they invite? Would they come? Unsupportive, unaffirming family members. Yeah. And something I'm very clear about is my wedding day one day is going to be a day of celebration. So anyone who could not be there in celebration, I do not need conflicted energy there. I do not need unsupportive energy there. And I think in the same way with the holidays, it's very valid to say um, I can love somebody from afar and maybe like maybe there's family members, parents, relatives that you say, okay, I am willing to do a Christmas Eve dinner. Mm -hmm. You know, this is my boundary. I am willing to do a Christmas Eve dinner. We're going to do Christmas morning separately or, or whatever. But I think part of it is accepting family members for who they are, not because we approve of it, uh, which I'm laughing because it sounds like what they say about homosexuality, but (laughs) I just mean accepting that people are who they've shown themselves to be. And, and let's just say your family is probably not going to become miraculously different people in the next 25 or so days. Mm -hmm. So if those people are probably most statistically likely to be who they've shown themselves to be, you get to decide for everywhere that you have a choice, what you are and are not available for. You get to decide if you show up. You get to decide what the boundaries are. You get to decide if there's conversations mm-hmm. you walk away from. And, and I think that's a big part of this is, you know, if when I think about for me, Thanksgiving was a holiday that I did reclaim because I loved my grandma Julie. I loved that side of the family and those cousins, and I wanted to see them. So Thanksgiving was a holiday that I did reclaim. And I do see a number of my family on that day. And it's beautiful and loving. And though something goes wrong with the oven or the ants or God knows what, it's it's worth it, right? But then Christmas, I spend Christmas with my people. I mm-hmm. spend Christmas with my chosen mm-hmm. family. And mm-hmm. I feel great about that. So that's why I'm really trying to say there's not a one-size-fits-all answer. But I want to remind people that you have choices, that there are possibilities Um, And even like this is a whole different element than family, but probably related for a lot of the same people, even beyond religion, like trying to figure out the meaningfulness of something for you and for your kids. And like, I I will admit, like, as long as I'm not going to be preached to heavily evangelized, I still like a a Christmas Eve, like cathedral, silent night moment that feels like home alone. Um, (laughs) And I still like that. But also trying to revisit, you know, I used, even when I was in the megachurch world, I was playing keys and Christmas Eve was this big push to get people to church. So trying to figure out what holidays looked like and even what they meant to me after that world, even that can take some Mm reimagining. But do the reimagining is yeah. my point because it's I think it's very worth it. Yeah, mm. definitely. Mm. I feel like there's a lot of possibility for healing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I I have if you had told little me at the park that I would have such joyful, loving, incredible Christmases. I I didn't know how to get there, but it literally does feel like a full circle moment for me of like that is what I wanted. And even last year, nobody was available 
with the pandemic for a normal Christmas. Um, so I was by myself in Manhattan and I had like a four day solo stay in a hotel. And, and even still, cause I've learned, I will cultivate a beautiful moment and a celebration for myself wherever I am. I remember I went to get, I had decided I was going to do Joe's pizza and wine for Christmas Eve. So this is my like, I'm just going to paint a possible picture for someone who's alone this Christmas. Yes, what does yes. it look like to, to not lean into the loneliness? Like you're going to be listening to Dolly hard candy Christmas and yeah. just being in a bad <laughs> yeah, place. Yeah. Um, so I decided I'm going to do Joe's pizza and I'm going to do wine. And even simply deciding felt like, I'm planning a thing for myself. I'm not a, a victim of my lonely Christmas, but right. I'm actually planning right. something. So I remember I ordered the Joes. I walked around. I walked through Bryant Park. I was staying right mm. by Bryant Park. And it was so beautiful. And like everyone was masked up and keeping their distance and bundled up in the cold. But there are people ice skating and there's lights everywhere. And it was just Christmas Eve in the air. And I cried. It was so beautiful. I went to this little Korean-owned liquor store and I like talked to the woman because I spent some time in South Korea as a child. So I had a whole conversation, got the red wine. I went back to the hotel. I called my cousins. I called a couple of friends. Um, I watched the holiday. And I just remember getting into bed and being like, what a wonderful Christmas Eve. Mm. And that was like solo pandemic, not even one of my normal things. That was like the plans change. People yeah. are not available. It's a sucky year of circumstances yeah. in a lot of ways. And it, it became one of my favorite Christmases. So I, I just believe we could start with any starting point of, you know, maybe you have to work Christmas. Yeah. I've done that before. Yeah. How like there's there's possibilities in all of these scenarios mm -hmm. reframing know? right like getting yeah. a different yeah. perspective even yeah. on a sh different perspective on what might feel like a shitty situation it might be a shitty situation yeah and if you're dealing then with a shitty situation i'll never forget this is uh not christmas but talking about when you were brought up the wedding scenario one of my best friends um she was getting married to uh her girlfriend of a few years and her family um are non-affirming they did not approve and they refused to come to the wedding uh her girlfriend's family was was there but her family was not and i'll never forget the night before the wedding we were all like eating dinner like the wedding party was together eating dinner and she had been okay and then all of a sudden we started to cry or started to talk and she like kind of crumpled in my arms and started crying we were talking through everything and she was grieving for, because of the fact that her family was not there and didn't approve of the person that she's so in love with. And I'll never forget, she was like, I'm going to grieve today so I can celebrate tomorrow. And mm. it was like, and I, you know, this is a situation I can't even imagine. And I watched her and she grieved all night and we all grieved together. And we all cried and then the next day she made this like incredible active decision then to be fully present at her wedding and celebrated. And it, there was so much joy there. And she's like, I ch have chosen these people in my life. And it was just, and I think about that a lot now, like around big occasions and holidays and whatever, that it's like when people are experience, pa experiencing pain or grief, like loneliness, all these things, it's like, I'm going to grieve today so I can celebrate tomorrow and making that active choice. Love that. 
there is a time to laugh, a time to mourn. What yes. is the verse? I don't know. <laughs> the Ecclesiastes, Becca. <laughs> Bringing it up. But, Love me Ecclesiastes. Eat, like the choice to hold space for yourself yes, is yes. so much more powerful than just I'm drowning in grief or I'm drowning in stress or I'm drowning in whatever it is this holiday season. Yes. I, I just think, ironically, it's a time when people are often less mindful because mm-hmm. they're busy. They feel like I, I don't have time to even think about this. I suggest if there was ever a time to be mindful, it's Mm. this, because there can be simultaneously so much beauty and possibility with people you love, and there can be so much pain. And and it's complex. And Mm. like, I mean, I even think about, so I, I have this playlist I do. It's a whole big tradition with my community. We're on year 12. I started it in a cult, which that sounds like a bad energy to start from. But here's the thing. I was like, I'm having great Christmas vibes myself. And it started because I was in driver's ed in high school and we we had to sit in the car for all these hours. Yeah. And I was like, I love Christmas music and I want to feel happy right now. And we have to be in the car for hour upon hour. Not just do we have to drive, but then we have to get in the back seat and the other people drive. So I was like, I'm burning a CD for everyone and I'm making <laughs> yes, a Christmas a mix. And so this was like a Windows 98 yeah. computer in my bedroom that my parents were like, you can have a computer, but no internet. Yeah. And so all I had was the music I had uploaded onto this computer from somewhere else. And I made like a 16 song CD and I gave it to everyone in driver's ed. And that was the first year of doing the playlist was literally in driver's ad in a fundamentalist Christian school. But I was like, we're going to make some Christmas cheer. Um, And now it's, you know, it's grown and it's grown and it's grown. But to me, it's still like every single year I put it out there with the intention that of everything you may be going through or experiencing or feeling right now, this is an invitation to feel really good. Mm. And I hope that this feels comforting and loving and joyful and nourishing and like a big hug. And, and you know, to me, it's just th- this paradox of we can still live life. Like my clients don't get a bypass from living life. I don't get a bypass from living life. We're, we're still living life. So we can't wait for some future destination where everything is fine. There's no to-do list. There's no problems. There's no crazy family members. Life is happening right now. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to create something, it has to start from right now. And so, you know, if it's driver's ed, so be it. (laughs) If you're starting from a cult, so be it, but get out. Follow la la la, la, bitch. Follow la la la, la, bitch. If you're starting from a cult, get out. Oh my gosh, this was so nice. Yeah. I feel like so ready to start this and start it with intention this month. Yeah. Love it. So appreciate it. Thanks for joining Thank us, Thank you Stephen. so much, awesome. Stefan. I just feel so full. <laughs> plug away. Do yes, your plug. Please. Um, well, this has been wonderful. I'm so glad to be here in person. I, I know. know people listening may not know that. I guess we shout out our Baileys. So yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but it, it feels amazing. I haven't yeah. done a podcast in person in so long. It's so nice to um, be in person. <laughs> and you two are just the most fun. Um, anyway, I think the biggest thing I'll plug is just 
people should listen to the playlist because it is that time. Yes. So I will. The, the website is Stefan's Magical Holiday dot com. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's obsessed. amazing. Yes. Um, but you can also obviously find it on Instagram. Dr. Lovegrove. Um, but Stefan's Magical Holiday dot com. Um, it's 100 songs. It's on. It's brand new every year. So it's coming wow. out. It's actually by the time you're listening to this, it is out. Um, it will be on Spotify. It will be on Apple Music. Um, it's not the radio playlist, but it is like, it's not weird is what I always tell people. So yeah. like it, it's, it's, it's not fresh. <laughs> Correct. This is not like, this is not like August Burns red yeah. shouting Carol of the bells. Like that's not the vibe. It is still one you can listen to with grandparents, with okay, kids, with whatever. Um, but it, it really is like such good vibes. I, I just put so much, heart and intention and, and and it's it's now become this big thing people have gotten engaged while it was playing people oh, have wow. I don't like to think about this but people have conceived uh, well I think it we was playing it. anyway <laughs> there's a lot of Christmas magic in it is what I'm saying um, so listen to it and we, we do a whole thing every year so basically every time people share one we do a big coaching giveaway and so somebody gets selected that I do give an intensive to in the new year, start the new year off, right? So you enter that when you share it. Um, we also give a dollar to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital oh, for every awesome. share. And people share a lot. So it's not going to be like $8, okay? Just, I know a dollar. <laughs> this is my business self. It's like a dollar feels low. You need to tell them that it's lots of shares. So we're not being stingy. Um, so yeah, get the playlist, listen to it. Let me know how it creates memories for you because that was what it was intended to do. Love that. I love that. Well, Broads, that'll be (laughs) in the episode notes. We'll make sure to include all of that so you have easy access. And thank you so much, Stefan. Thank you. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays and we'll chat soon. Happy holidays. 